Gospels this morning, I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 13, the Gospel of Luke chapter 13. For some weeks, we have studied some of the face-to-face encounters that people had with Jesus. Jesus would come upon people or people would come to Jesus and these face-to-face encounters, as I've shared before, it's very important that you understand this, that these, these things are recorded in the Gospels. We're looking at particularly these face-to-face encounters in the Gospel of Luke. But these face-to-face encounters are not simply a matter of historic record. They are there to show us that God desires to have a similar encounter with you. Perhaps not physically face-to-face, but what He did in people's lives then, He still does in people's lives today. If you hear nothing else this morning, I want you to get that. Because then as you read the Bible, as you see these events in Jesus' life, these face-to-face encounters, or as you continue to read into the book of Acts, and you see the things that happened to the first believers, those things that happened then happen today. And I desperately want every person I know to experience that personal relationship, not just meeting him, but but continuing to walk with him. And some great and glorious day, we're going to see him fade. The best thing in heaven is not going to be a golden street and a a mortgage-free mansion. The best thing in heaven is going to see Jesus face to face. Uh, but, But we can experience what they did then, we can experience today. Luke chapter 10, excuse me, Luke chapter 13, verse 10 says this. On a Sabbath day, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. Stop there. The Gospels record Jesus teaching and ministering many times in a synagogue or in the temple. There was only one temple. It was in Jerusalem. But synagogues would be like their local church. On this occasion, on the Sabbath day, the one day of the week that they set apart, on the Sabbath day, it says that that Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. Jesus also ministered in many other places. He would would minister along seashores and and in marketplaces and on hillsides and and beside community wells and, and in people's homes. Jesus ministered. Wherever Jesus was, he was teaching and ministering. And I'm very grateful for that. You know, I'm really grateful that the ministry of, not, of Jesus Christ is not limited to uh, one place or a few select places at certain times. Wherever Jesus was, he ministers and he still does. Talking with someone earlier this week, and they were, they were driving down the road and Jesus ministered to them. Glory to God. Wherever he is, and he's everywhere, Wherever you are, he desires to minister to you in in some of the the most unusual places and times. On this particular Sabbath day, a crowd had gathered in, in the synagogue, but verse 11 describes one person in the crowd. It says this, a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. It says she was bent over. Now, a little side note, the, the Bible tells us that, uh, that, that Luke, the, the one the Holy Spirit inspired to write this, was himself a physician. I point that out because 
often as you read through Luke's gospel, he emphasizes some of the uh, physical or anatomical things that other gospel writers did not. Uh, our local, one of our local hospitals, St. Luke's, is named after him because it has to do with medicine. He was a physician. Luke said she was, she was bent over. Other translations, translating it from the Greek, say she was bent double or bowed together. In your minds, it wasn't, just imagine this, it wasn't simply a matter of, you know, a bit of a curvature of the spine or, or bent over like this, but rather, and I can't do this, but bent over so much, uh, some translators and some Bible uh, scholars believe that when it says she was bowed together or bent double, it, it, it's like instead of uh, a, a right angle, it was more of, of like a U-shape upside down, like a horseshoe. That, that she was down, that her shoulders and head were not here, but were actually all the way down here. She was bent double. She was bowed together. This was, you, you can imagine when it says that she was crippled, um, how horrible this must have been. Her back was so misshapen that she faced the ground. She could not look at someone face to face. That's important. She could not look at them face to face. Maybe she could turn her neck and look up, but she was physically incapable of looking at someone face to face. I'm not making light of her condition, but she may have very well recognized people more by their feet than by their face because her head was down looking at people's feet. Very importantly, this is, this is extremely important that you understand this, it says the cause of her condition was by a spirit. You see those words? It said it was by a spirit. What, is, what, what does that mean? Well, it, it, it does, let me be very clear. It does not mean that persons with bowed backs or curvature of the spine, some spinal condition, it does not mean that persons with a similar condition condition are demon-possessed. I, w- I want to be very clear on that. Or that, that every disease or every physical malady is due to demonic activity, but this one was. Makes it very clear. I make no apology for the word. It says here that, that she had been bent over, crippled by a spirit. Somehow, some way, it doesn't necessarily say she was demon-possessed, but, but, but satanic activity had affected her body in such a way that she looked at the ground rather than looking at people face to face. This is extremely essential information in understanding this text because it means that her problem was not just physical, but spiritual. Get that. Her, her, her problem was not simply physical. You could see it in the physical, but her problem was more than that. It was a spiritual problem. Because it was, because it was a spiritual source, her crippling condition could not be fixed by a doctor. It could not be fixed by a therapist. It could not be fixed. I don't know if they had them back then. They could not be fixed by a 
chiropractor. It could not be fixed by a counselor. The, the, the cause of this was not physical as much as it was spiritual. Her physical problem was the result of a spiritual problem. So until the spiritual need was addressed, the physical problem would persist. It's very important. She was going to continue in this condition until the spiritual part was addressed. And to deal with it in any other way would simply manage her misery. If they would have said, hey, well, I got a doctor, then maybe there was a doctor that could unhinge her a little bit more, but he could never address it. Maybe there was, you know, if you rubbed her back in a certain spot, it would make her feel better, but it wouldn't fix her. You could do things, but you couldn't fix her. And I point that out because how many things in people's lives, not only then, but today, more importantly today, because this is what we're, we're dealing with. This is not just history. This is, this is for today. How many people today see something in the physical realm, they see something in the natural realm, and they try to fix it in natural or physical ways when the real problem is not simply in the natural realm, it's in the supernatural realm. And we try to fix things physically or interpersonally or financially. And we, we, we see the problem in those areas, but the problem in many cases is more than that. It's actually a spiritual problem. How many things are happening today and we think, oh, you know what? If we just got, if we just got people together... If we just got people talking together, if we just got people getting along together, then everything would be fixed. But the, the problem is that there's more than that. There's a spiritual problem in our world. It's manifest in the physical. How many people, they're, they're so angry at each other, sometimes on a, on a national level or sometimes on a local level or sometimes in a home, and you think, man, if we could just get those two persons together or those two groups together, and if we have some conflict uh, resolution or some anger management, if we deal with that, you know what, that, we can do that, but at the best, it's simply going to manage our misery. It will not fix it because oftentimes the problem is not in the physical or in the natural, but in the spiritual. This, this woman was bent double. You could see it. You could see the pain. In the, 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 the muscles in her back had conformed to this. You could see the agony that this, the misery, the horrible condition that this woman was in, but the problem was spiritual. And until that was addressed, then anything else was simply going to man. How many people, I heard a song, somebody referred to this song, I'd never heard it, but some of you are familiar with it, um, but it was a Merle Haggard song, and somebody, it was a Merle, uh, the bottle let me down. How many people are trying to fix their problem with a bottle or with something else? But let me tell you, the bottle will let you down, because you're trying to fix something spiritual with something physical. And it'll leave you worse than it was before. 
It also says this woman had been this way for 18 years. That too is significant. 18 years is a very long time. So long, again, that her bones were probably fused. Right? You, you, you stay in that condition, you're going to be that way. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, your, your bones have, have accustomed themselves. The muscles, the ligaments had conformed to her, to her bent condition. You would not have been able to straighten this woman without killing her. Oh, if we just, if we just put a rope here and a rope here and we pull real hard, it would have killed her. She'd been this way for so long. She had been this way for so long that others probably knew her as that crippled lady, right? I don't know if they even knew her name. Her name is not recorded. I don't know if they knew her name. I think they just referred to her as the crippled lady. And isn't that how it is? Oftentimes, the thing that that controls us or the thing that consumes us or the things that cripple us often become our identity. I'm not saying this is good. I'm just saying this is how it is. How many people do you know who are crippled by something else and we refer, oh, you know, you mentioned their name and you don't know, oh, you mean the, you mean the guy who's addicted to or the gal who's addicted to, or, or you mean the person who lives there or the person who does that and it becomes our identity. I believe that her identity was, oh, the crippled lady. Oh, you mean the lady who's bent double? Yeah, yeah, that's her. So long that people recognized this woman more by her shape than by her face. Because remember, her face was bent to the ground. Verse 12 says this. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over. I like that. When Jesus saw her, he, he called her over. He singled her out. He saw the crowd, but he called her over. How many here this morning are very glad that Jesus knows the crowd, but Jesus knows you in the crowd? Very grateful for that. Jesus knows the name of every person who's living, every person who's ever lived. God is all-knowing. He knows all of that stuff, but he can single you out in the crowd. Don't you ever feel like I'm just another face? It says here, Jesus saw her and he called her over. Now, from the information that we are given, the only thing, I'm just looking at what we're given here, the only thing I see that this woman did that day was to approach Jesus. I don't know why she was there. She may have been in the, in the synagogue that day because it was the synagogue and it was the Sabbath. She may have been there to hear Jesus' teaching. It doesn't say that she went there to receive healing. She didn't wave her hand, you know, down here, trying to get his attention. She didn't do that to get him. He saw her and he called her over. And from the information that we're given, the only thing that I believe that, she, that it's recorded, that she did that day, and it's implied because it doesn't even say it, but it is, is that she then approached him. She, she, as he called her over, she went over to him. Because it does not say that she ran away. She didn't run away. That also is significant because had she not come to Jesus when he called her, or if she had shuffled to the exit because she didn't want the eyes of the people who were there that day to be upon her, the story would have ended very, very differently, wouldn't it have? In fact, I believe if she, when Jesus called her, I believe that if she would have stayed where she was, or if she would have shuffled to the exit, then that story would not even be recorded in Scripture. 
The only thing that I see that she did that day is she did as Jesus commanded, and that is when he called her over, she went over. How many times does God desire to do a work in people's lives today? And by His Holy Spirit, He's calling them. He's calling them over. He's saying, I have something for you. I have deliverance for you. I have freedom for you. I have salvation for you. I have peace for you. But people, instead of doing as He calls them and draws them, they shuffle to the exit and say, no, this is who I am. I'm going to continue in my condition. How many times out of fear, remember I said that this woman didn't, perhaps didn't want, she'd had, a, she'd had a lifetime or at least 18 years of people staring at her. How many times do people say, oh, I just don't want people seeing me or I don't want, to, I don't want people seeing what I do or I don't want to make a scene or I, I, I just, I don't want to be the center of attention and God is pulling them, drawing them, wanting to do something, but out of fear they head for the exits. I heard this this last week and I like it. Fear is a four-letter word. And I mean that in a bad, well, love is too, but fear is a four-letter. It's a bad word. How many people God desires to do a thing in their life, but out of fear they don't go to Him, instead they head for the exits. How many times have people who have done something they know is wrong, they know it's according to God's word, it's wrong, but instead of coming to him when he says, I have mercy enough and grace enough for you, you come to me and I will forgive you. Instead, they say, oh no, God doesn't love me. And they head for the exits. How many times does that happen? How many times has God said, I want to do something powerful in you, but out of fear, we shuffle away. And our story continues the way that it has been for 18 or more years. Verse 12, again. He called her over and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Now you understand, Jesus is not simply a teacher. He called her over and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Jesus is not simply a teacher. Jesus is God. He's the same God who spoke everything into being at the beginning of creation. He spoke it. This is not just a a, a teacher from, from Galilee. This is God. And Jesus said to her, you are set free from your infirmity. Jesus' words had quieted storms. Jesus' words had raised, or rather would raise, people from the dead. But here on this occasion, he spoke to her and he said to her, you are set free. He didn't say you're healed. He didn't say you're cleansed. He said, you are set free. I love the word of God. And when God says something, later on, a man named Peter, one of the disciples had a vision and And he says, oh, and God said, do this. And Peter said, oh, don't you? I can't do that. And and Jesus says, "What, what God declares holy, don't you declare unholy. When God says it, you better listen. And because he has authority. He says, you're healed. He didn't say you're healed or cleansed, but you're set free. Verse 13 says this, then Jesus put his hands on her. 
You have to, you have to use that wonderful imagination. So Jesus put his hands on her. Where did he put his hands on her? He didn't put his hands on her, on her shoulders. They're down here. He didn't put his hand on her head. They're down here. I, it doesn't say where he put his hands. And by the way, both hands on this occasion. Uh, he, sometimes he didn't even touch people, but often he did. But it says he put both hands on her. Where did he put his hands on her? Here's what I'd like to... This is, the, this is what I, I'd like to... Uh, this is where I, I'd like to think he put his hands. Right on the bend of the back. Right at the source of the problem. Now we know that the problem was not physical, it was spiritual. But as a point of contact, I'd like to think that Jesus, he, he met her right where it hurt, right where it was bent, right where it was broken. And I say that because <laughs> I love the fact that Jesus meets us right where we are, right at the point of our brokenness. How many here don't, you, you can raise your hands to this if you want or not, but, but how many here have been broken? How many of you have been bent? How many of you have been twisted? And Jesus, in his mercy and in his compassion and in his love, he reached down and he touched you right at the place of your brokenness. He still does. Doesn't say where he touched her, but he laid both hands on her. Verse 13, and immediately, that means right away, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Isn't that succinct? I mean, that, it's almost anticlimactic. I mean, I want more information, but I like it. <coughs> Just that fast, probably so fast that some people missed it. <laughs> Jesus, he says, you are set free. T touched her. And immediately, immediately she stood upright. Now, for years, you have to understand, I don't know how tall she was, but let's just say this. For years, she was about this high, waist high. Right? Because she's bent double. And, and the high point of her body was quite possibly her hips. Jesus spoke, Jesus touched, and immediately, right away, she straightened up. Immediately, immediately, in a moment, in a moment, the bones and the muscles and the tendons all that had conformed to this shape for 18 years, all responded to the, in, in obedience to the voice of God and the touch of God, and immediately she was two feet taller. How cool is that? Immediately she was unbowed. Immediately she was unbent. Immediately she was two feet taller. Immediately her shoulders were square. Immediately her neck was straight, and immediately her posture was perfect. I think she looked like a queen. Am I the only one with imagination here this morning? <laughs> Think of that. Think of that. The power of the enemy had immediately been broken, and for the first time, she's face to face with Jesus. She hadn't been face to face with someone for 18 years, but now she's face to face with Jesus. Wow. <laughs> you know, some people say, you know, the Bible is so boring. Come on. It's powerful. Immediately she's face to face with Jesus. And, 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 and we don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't say, but I'd like to think, 
I'd like to think again that, that immediately something happened in her spirit. She, she's speaking to Jesus face to face. She's seen him eye to eye. And speaking of her face, a face that, by the way, that many people had never seen. Because it was always looking at the ground. A face that people didn't take the time to look at because it was the bend of her back that captured their attention. Her face must have been radiance. Don't you want to see this when you see get to heaven? Lord, run that recording again. I want to see it. Can you imagine her face? Immediately she straightened up. And the end of verse 13 says she praised God. Praise was the natural response to what Jesus had done. It wasn't forced. Okay, I'm supposed to praise now. Hallelujah. It was heartfelt. It wasn't slow in coming. I believe it was spontaneous and it was immediate as her back. All of a sudden, she straightens up and, and, and I think she lifted up her arms. Do you remember, you have to understand, if she's bent double, what, what, what is, what, where do her arms go? If you're bent double, where do your arms go? Down. I don't think she'd straighten up her arms for a long time because if you do that, your knuckles are dragging in the dirt. But suddenly she straightened up, and I think she didn't just straighten up. I think the arms went as high as they could, and I think she just reached. I think she had a stretch that felt like the best stretch ever. And out of her mouth spontaneously, unforced, unrehearsed, just out of a heart full of praise, she began giving glory to God. Here's what I think it sounded like. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. No, I don't think it was like that at all. I think that God set her voice free too. And I began, she, I think she said, started saying something like in, in, in Aramaic or in, in, you know, Greek or whatever she was speaking. But I, I, she just started praising God, thanking God for what he had done. She praised God. She couldn't contain it. She got excited, put her hands up, shouted her praise, her praise to the one who had set her free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Few nights ago, uh, Thursday night, at Mega Sports Camp, we we had the closing rally. It was powerful, and the kids in the in the cheerleading element of Mega Sports Camp did a routine. And when they did it, I'm sitting there watching it. Uh, they had rehearsed it just before the rally began. I was up there a little bit early, and then they did it. And so I had my iPhone ready. <laughs> I had my iPhone ready, and, uh, and I thought of that woman who had been liberated from her condition and all that went with it, this, this woman here in, in Luke chapter 13. And I want you to take a look at this brief clip and the words, uh, notice also the words that are on the screen behind it. Take a look at this. Hallelujah. He done changed you.
you've got a reason to get up. Happy dance, there it is. Isn't that cool? I loved it, and I saw that. It's a lousy recording because it's my iPhone. But I, 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 I loved it because I thought, that's what that woman did. She, what, what, I wrote the words down. He done, he, I need my glasses. He done, what does that say? He done traded my sin for joy, and now that joy wants out. I think that's what that woman, he done traded my sin for joy, and now that joy wants out. And she put her hands up, and in Greek she said, happy dance. That's what she did. So let me, let me just help you with something. The next time we gather, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want, when we start, this is not just a song service. This is not just a time where we stand up and someone else sings. This is a time where we get up and we lift up our hands and we start thinking about what Jesus set us free from and the things that he straightened out in our lives and the things from which he saved us and the things that he's going to do for us and the things that he has waiting for us in heaven and what he's done to your life and to your mind and to your body and to your finances and to your job and to your community. And I'll tell you what, you start doing that and out of your heart, it's going to be spontaneous and you're going to start lifting up your hands and your voice and you're going to start praising the one who set you free. And if you start doing the happy dance, that's just okay too. You do the happy dance. Don't ask me to do the happy dance. You don't want that picture in your mind. This is what God does. And I'm reading this. I've been studying this text for a couple of weeks now. And I say, oh, God, do it again. What are the twisted and broken and bent and, 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 and crippled things in your life that Jesus wants to straighten out? And maybe for a long time you, you recognize it and you think, man, it's just, it's just something in the natural. If I can just fix the natural. But, but what it really needs is it needs a supernatural spiritual touch from the one, the only one who can truly set you free. Are there some twisted things in your life? Are there some broken and bent things in your life? Are there some broken and bent things in people who are close to you and you want to say, oh God, do it today. And you, you can be tempted to head for the exits and say, I don't know, it's just, it's just my lot in life. This is how I am. This is my identity. But I'm telling you that what Jesus did face to face with a woman back then, he desires to do in people's lives today. So that for the rest of our lives, I'd love to know the rest of her story, but I think for the rest of her life, she was telling all kinds of people of what Jesus had done for her. God, do it again. The spiritual work. He desires to straighten them. Liberation. Not just managing the misery. Not just making you feel a little better to get you through another day. But Jesus wants to straighten some things out. Touched by the voice of God and the hand of God face to face. I want you to stand with me, everyone across this sanctuary. Worship team, would you come? We're going to sing a song that we sang earlier that there is no other name but the name of Jesus. As we've done before, and, and those of you who are joining us online, we want to make a point of contact with you, and that is also, 
in just a moment, we're going to open up these altars and you can come and, and, and just, and just, and just, you can just say, Lord, this is what I need straightened up. And, and I, and I want you to do that. When, when we're going to, we're going to, we're going to sing this when we're done singing, I'm going to pray. Uh, and, and then we're going to sing this. And then if you need to go, you go. But let me tell you something. If God, if you, if there's anything in your life that you, you say, God, I, I need you to, what you did then, I want you to do now. I don't want you simply to shuffle to the exit, but I want you to reach out and say, God, it's there for a reason. That text is there for a reason, and I believe that you want to do something in my life today. I'm not here by accident. I'm not in the synagogue, or in this case, the church today, on the Sabbath day, just for, by, by, by chance. I'm here for a reason. And God, what you, desire, what you did then, you desire to do now. So in an act of faith, I just want you to gather around these altars. You can lift up your hands. You can kneel down. You can get on your face before God. But I, 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 as a point of contact, I want you just to say, Oh, Lord, something needs straightening out. Something in my relationship, something in my job, something in my business, something, something in my home, something in my mind, something in my body. And, 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 and I, I don't know all the cause of it, but I know the, I know the cure, and you are the cure. And so some of you are going to be coming. When you're done praying, just consider yourselves dismissed. But I'm going to pray right now. And, and, uh, uh, and, and then we're going to sing this. And when you need to go, you go. But I, I want us to trust God for a greater thing than he's ever done in us before. Are you, you ready? You ready? Lord Jesus, I thank you for this text in Luke chapter 13. It's not there by accident. There's a purpose for it. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do a mighty work in people's lives. God, I thank you for this. I thank you for this text, but I don't ever want to just read it and say it's history. I want to see it repeated again and again and again. It, it may not be this morning as dramatic as a woman straightened up and physically erect for the first time ever in a long time, but Lord Jesus, it, I pray for, for, for a straightening and for a repairing and for a healing and for a delivering in, in some of the, the crooked, broken, bent things in people's lives. God, may we look back to this day and say, that was the day that Jesus touched me. That was the day that Jesus spoke to me and he touched me right on the place of the brokenness and he straightened it out. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this together. Sing it together. Praise him together and come. See God as we, as we sing this together. Sing